0: Welcome to the Dementia Podcast. We hear from experts and people touched by dementia to explore how we can all create a better future for people affected by the condition. I'm your host, Bruce Elliott, and thanks for joining us as we take a trip down memory lane. Well, it's a special... Walk down memory lanes with our dementia podcast today. We have a special guest, Dr. Jemily Cano, who is from the Philippines. She's a practicing neurologist. She's a board member of the Alzheimer's Disease Association of the Philippines. She's working with technology in telemedicine for dementia and new technologies. And we're just thrilled you're here. Welcome, Jim.
1: Hello. Hello, everyone. So I'm Dr. Jemily Cano. You can call me Jim. So as mentioned, I'm a neurologist, I'm a dementia specialist. So I see both neurologic patients or patients with uh, dementia and other neurodegenerative illness. I'm also a board member of Alzheimer's Disease Association of the Philippines.
0: Wonderful. And the Philippines has a very organized Alzheimer's Association. They are very active, and I think it's it's uh, part of the the government support of a national dementia strategy recently implemented. is that correct
1: Yes yes so um the alzheimer's disease association of the Philippines is actually the one of the partners of alzheimer's disease international so we're the official representative um, for alzheimer's disease international and september is alzheimer's disease month so um so just recently, we had a convention, an annual convention, wherein we had a three-day convention, and we've invited both local and international lecturers. Attendees were comprised mostly of clinicians, um, nurses, allied healthcare professionals, caregivers, and families with families who are taking care of patients with dementia. Wow.
0: How many people attended the virtual conference?
1: Okay, so for the three, uh, we have approximately um, more than 500, like 550 attendees per day, which is a good right. number, yeah.
0: And I heard you speak, your presentations on telemedicine, and uh, do you want to talk just a bit about what you spoke about?
1: Okay, so uh, my talk was, I have two talks. So my main talk would be uh, was about telemedicine, how telemedicine is being used in Diagnosing dementia, especially during the pandemic period. For elderly in general, and for patients with dementia, during the pandemic, it's very hard for them to seek help because of the quarantine restrictions, and they're the ones who are very susceptible to develop severe COVID disease because of the comorbidities. So they have a tendency not to go out and see their healthcare or clinicians in general, And uh, we have to address their underlying disease, so um, it's very hard for them to go to the doctor, see a doctor to address their problem. In order to resolve that, we adapt to telemedicine. So telemedicine has been there for a long time. It's being used to reach remote areas for them to have healthcare access. But because of the pandemic, I think the pandemic has been like a shuttle in order, uh, so that uh, it facilitates the use of telemedicine way faster compared to how it's being used a few years back. So now they have an access wherein they can see their doctors via video teleconferences. So therefore not compromising care.
0: How do you find a telemedicine session with a uh, dementia patient?
1: Okay, so for with dementia patients in general, they have to have a relative with them that's first. Because with regards to how the computer is being operated, how they would open the video teleconference platform, we usually instruct the relatives beforehand. So we talk to the relatives, we have their numbers, and then we tell them on how to open your Google Meet or Zoom meeting and then how we can see how to operate it. And then we usually talk to them first and then talk to the dementia patient as well.
0: And um, this is uh, what you and I talked about last week is you are actually using memory lane games as part of your telemedicine.
1: I'm using the telemedicine platform in order for me to introduce memory lane games. For memory lane games, what I usually do is that uh, through video teleconference with my patients, I will show them the app, how to download the app. Because sometimes... You have to teach them how to download it. So even if you give them written instructions, it would be very difficult. So sometimes it's, it will be very useful to dom- demonstrate it. So we'll, I'll demonstrate it through uh, Zoom or through Google Meet or through DoxyMe, and then ask them questions inside the app. And then once they find it interesting, then they'll start using it themselves. Wow.
0: And what do the family say about this? Do they like Memory Lane Games, or how do they feel about it?
1: Oh, they like it because Memory Lane Games have developed a local version for the Filipinos. So some of the questions are in Filipino, and some of the questions are about the Philippines, which dementia patients really like because they can relate to it. So it's something they're very much familiar with, so they can easily understand and answer, plus they find it fun. Which is the most important thing, because if they don't find things fun, they won't do it or they'll be they won't even attempt to play the game if it's not fun.
0: And, and you're prescribing the app to these patients. Why, why do you do that? What benefit do you see from memory lane games?
1: Mm, OK, so because of the because of the quarantine restrictions, uh, my patients, uh, most of my patients would want to go out and meet their friends but because of the high COVID-19 cases here in the Philippines and because of the quarantine restrictions, they barely have any activities at home. So with the app, it's a way on how they could cognitively stimulate their brain. It's a brain exercise for them. So since it's a very useful tool, we used to prescribe it. So part of our prescriptions is like instruction on of course, are medicines, but aside from the medicines, the non-pharmacologic interventions wherein we prescribe them with exercises, physical exercises, cognitive exercises. We gave them links and with the app, we, we will put their memory in game app.
0: So sitting here in, in the Isle of Man where we started building games for our moms, we're so thrilled and proud that, uh, that you've uh, and ADAP, Alzheimer's Disease Association of the Philippines, have, have championed our app in, in the Philippines. And it's, it's exciting for us. We just love it. So thank you very much. Yes. And what, which games do you show when you're demonstrating? I know, like, Filipino Presidents is one of our most popular games in the Philippines, but you keep telling me how much OPM music means to the Philippine community.
1: Yes, because, uh, Filipinos in general love music, food and music. So I think those are two categories that, uh, our patients really like. Because for Filipino mothers, they would usually, they're very, they would usually cook and do this household chores So they're very familiar with different, various Filipino dishes. And when they find it in the app, they find it interesting. And of course, we love music. We love artists. Actors, actresses, so they could they could really relate on those topics.
0: Great. And Memory Lane Games has simple, fun quiz games on all of those topics that you just mentioned, all specifically tailored to the Philippine market. And that's what you've told us in our work together is is what makes it special.
1: Yes, yes. That makes it special because that's how the patient can relate, because it's very familiar.
0: Jem, why are memories so important for people who are living with dementia, triggering positive memories? Why why is that uh, so important?
1: Because for people with dementia, so memory is the cognitive domain that is frequently affected and because they have tendencies to remember those in the past and forget recent details. But those memories in their past would actually give them hope or positive vibes because Um, remember dementia care is usually for some families they find it very stressful because the patient is very repetitive they will ask the same questions over and over again Uh, they find them very irritable or impatient as well or confused so um if you reinforce positive memories uh wherein they begin to enjoy because they um it's common for dementia patients that if they remember their past, they would actually love to tell you those stories. And um, we do have some dementia patients who would tell you stories from the war like during the 10 years or when they were younger, when they were working. And uh, they're very happy when they will tell you those stories. So it's uh, very important to reinforce positive memories because it would bring uh, dementia patients joy and happiness. It would also improve their mood in a way. If their general mood, overall mood has improved, then it would be easy for the caregivers or for the family members to take care of them as well. So they would develop this like it's like a new bond between the two. Wow.
0: And, and do you think Memory Lane Games app can help in that?
1: Yes, yes. So as mentioned, it develops a uh, social interaction between the carers and the patients with dementia. It elicits like positive impact for both. Like um, it would improve the mood of the patient with dementia. And at the same time, it would, would make taking care of them easy on the part of the carers. And I think the carers could also learn something new about the patient and vice versa. So it's a good conversation starter as well. So they could talk about a lot of things from there.
0: As I recall, you mentioned that um, you're using memory lane games also with stroke patients.
1: Yes, we're not only using it for patients with Alzheimer's dementia or for dementia in general, but we're using it for patients who have cognitive impairment, regardless of the cause, whether it's because of a vascular cause like stroke, or whether it's because of a Brain tumors. So regardless of the cost, it's uh, useful. It's actually useful too.
0: Wonderful. Now, Jem, let's step back. How did you end up working in in Alzheimer's and dementia? I mean, when you went to med school, was that your was that your plan, or uh, how did you end up there?
1: Uh, when I was in med school, I had special interest in urology. So right after med school, I took up residency in neurology, and then uh, during my Neurology residency, I find uh, neurodegenerative diseases interesting, particularly dementia. So I went into fellowship in Singapore because we don't have training, uh, we don't have fellowship training in the Philippines yet during that time. So I have to go to Singapore for training. Uh, After my fellowship in dementia, I came back to the Philippines and started practicing both neurology and dementia. I'm currently affiliated in two memory clinics in St. Luke's, uh, Medical Center, Kesson City, and St. Luke's Medical Center, Global City. The memory center in those two centers are um, established for, for Kesson City, it, I think it's existing for more than 20 years. And for Global City, about 10 years. So it's it's been there for a long time.
0: So how have you seen dementia care in those memory clinics change over the last decade?
1: With regards to change, The protocols has been more established now. So it's, uh we have a pathway that we follow and other centers would also know, like other hospitals in Metro Manila and in other areas of the Philippines would know that there is an established uh, memory center in St. Luke's. So they would refer patients. So it, it becomes a referral center. Eventually it becomes a referral center. So the main change would be During this COVID-19, so because they can't go to the hospital, what we did was we transitioned into video teleconference. So we offer two types of services. One is a hybrid type, wherein all the interviews that can be done remotely, either through phone call or through Google Meet, will do that remotely. But um, they have the option if the patient would want to be seen face-to-face. So the neuropsychological test would be done face-to-face. So all the cognitive tests for the patient will be done face-to-face, but all interviews will be done by a phone or video teleconference. So that's a hybrid portion. And we offer full video teleconference neuropsychological assessment, wherein both the interviews and both the neuropsychological assessment is done online.
0: That is amazing. So are you seeing any differences between the results, the outcomes of a, of a face-to-face neurological assessment or a, or a telemedicine assessment?
1: With regards to ease of view, so because um, we do have patients who are 90, 80, 90 uh, years old, wherein their children is also senior citizen, like 60, 70. So it would be both of them would be techno- technologically challenged. They need to get more time to be familiarized with the platform. So, usually, few days before the set appointment, we would call them, we would have trial testing on how to use uh, Google Meet. So we're using Google Meet in St. So how to use Google Meet until they're very much familiar with it. Once they're familiar with the platform, it's very easy. As long as we make sure that there would be no distraction in the part of the patient, if they have some hearing impairment, they could hear the instructions properly so that it would not affect the test. Internet connection is also very important. So if they have fast internet connection then th- there won't be any problem but if the if there would be poor internet connection then that would really significantly affect the test.
0: But with a, with a normal internet connection and sufficient training so they can open the app, do you feel comfortable that it's the same output of uh, when you're assessing someone telemedicine or in or face to face?
1: I think different organizations for the neuropsychological test, so different psychological associations, both locally in the Philippines and internationally, like the American Psychological Association, they offer guidelines on how to use um, uh, telemedicine as a platform or video teleconference as a platform to do neuropsychological assessments. And there are several studies published that statistically didn't differ much. But of course, um, we still have to do standardized testing, which I think is being conducted in several centers uh, worldwide because uh, we really have to adapt to the current situation because we need to address the needs of the patients, of dementia patients. So we really need to adapt. And then I hope in the future, um, it will be standardized. There will be set norms so that it could be used officially and then more people would be more... Um, comfortable on doing this test and conducting this test online.
0: Wonderful, and I know you are looking at a number of different technologies to support dementia care. So, memory lane games for cognitive cognitive exercises, but you're also looking at VR and some other things. What else are you looking at?
1: Aside from uh, memory lane games, there are other computer-based cognitive tests or rehabilitation, like uh, which is already available in the market for a long time, but. Um, We're trying to acquire them so that we can use it in our centers as well. Um, And uh, some of us are uh, involved in a study uh, using virtual technology, especially for those patients who have difficulty navigating, who needs to be familiarized to certain locations or to certain places. So VR technology can help, but of course, taking into consideration security because We know that, um, there's high risk for fall for patients with dementia. So at the start, they need to be seated. They need to be familiar. uh, They still need to be familiarized with the technology. Um, of course, we don't want to cause further confusion on their part or further hallucinations on their part. So I think it's, I think it, if it would be used, um, it would be good for, Few selected patients, those patients who are more or less stable, without hallucinations, without confusions, who had no mobility problems, I think would be helpful for those set of patients.
0: I'm really interested. You, you mentioned something the other day about long COVID and, and that we're still determining the, out, the outcome of that on dementia patients. What, what's your view? What are you seeing?
1: In clinical practice, so we do get referrals for cognitive assessments. Among those patients who have recovered from COVID, we do receive referrals from cognitively unimpaired patients, like for normal patients who age forty who is currently recovered from COVID, but they notice that they have cognitive impairment. They they notice that it would take them longer time to process information, or they would have uh they will be very sleepy, or they will feel very very tired, and it makes them difficult to make decisions. So those are most of the referrals that we receive, and for Some patients, for elderly patients who have mild cognitive impairment before being diagnosed with COVID, some of them, some of them are pushed into dementia, like they develop dementia afterwards, especially if they have delirium or episodes of confusion while being admitted. We did see uh, some correlations with the severity of their COVID illness while they were admitted. But studies would now show that even uh, for asymptomatic patients who didn't have any symptoms initially, they could also have some cognitive effects. Yeah, so cognitive long COVID effects are very, very important. And we are seeing them now. And studies are already, uh, there are several meta-analysis and studies being published now
0: yeah we we keep hearing and Alzheimer's Disease International who was the group who introduced us to you mm-hmm. um they've been said they there's they've published studies on that uh, the the effects of uh, long covid on dementia are are very important to watch and they're they're seeing rising cases of dementia from long covid um i i'm curious i uh in my own experience i've seen some elderly friends and family with dementia who have come out of lockdown and they are not as crisp as they were before lockdown. Not that they had COVID or not the with dimension without, but it just seems that that social isolation has taken a toll mm-hmm. as well.
1: Yes, exactly. So um, it's actually uh, uh, one of the impact of the COVID pandemic would be uh, restrictions and social isolation. So even without the COVID infection, even if they didn't acquire the disease, the mere fact that uh, there's limitation to how they socialize with other people and there's restrictions, it really caused some deterioration in terms of their cognitive functioning. So we do receive referrals coming from relatives wherein they would tell me that um, the cognitive impairment started during COVID when because uh, uh, she didn't went out of her house and then uh, they started noticing did the patient becoming more forgetful, more repetitive? So same stories. We hear the same stories. Or for those, dementia, for those who had already been diagnosed with dementia, so during the pandemic, the relatives would notice a significant deterioration. So those are the frequent stories that we receive from the relative, especially during this uh, pandemic.
0: This is something for us all to watch. And I think the more we can yes. do to... To relieve the social isolation, to encourage more positive conversations and triggering positive memories—that's that's what Memory Lane Games app was built to do: trigger positive mm-hmm. memories and and start more positive conversations to address social isolation. And I think that that worsening that uptake around the world. In the Philippines, we've had what fifteen thousand downloads of our app. Wow! I know. But that's thanks to you promoting um, the Memory Lane Games app to your community on your Facebook channels and the Alzheimer's Disease Association of the Philippines. It's, it's not any other marketing. It's it's really by you sharing the message and sharing it in your practice. And, and we're just so grateful. Thank you.
1: Because we really see the need. Uh, so during the pandemic, we really did see a uh, rise in cases, well, right now, the dementia cases are already increasing, and we don't want to further increase the numbers. So it really needs to be addressed. So whatever means is available, it would be good for them to have cognitive stimulating exercises at home.
0: And that's memory lane games.
1: Correct, correct.
0: So Jim, think think 10 years out, 10 years forward. What what do you hope is different about care for dementia patients? What do you think we'll be doing that's, that's helping?
1: Early prevention and early treatment, primarily early treatment, because um, as we all know right now, uh, there's one drug who has been approved to address the underlying pathology, uh, like aducanumab has been recently approved by FDA for a selected group of patients that would address the underlying pathology. So in the future, we hope that more drugs that would actually reverse the pathology that could be offered at an earlier time to prevent it from happening. So. There are actually several clinical trials that are being conducted worldwide. So hopefully they would hopefully the results would be positive. So the future of dementia is very bright in terms of um diagnostic testing and in terms of therapeutics. Cause aside from therapeutics, there are also some blood biomarkers that are being developed and they found out that it can predict or it can it's a good uh it's a good biomarker to detect early dementia or even before symptoms sets in. So which is very important. Hopefully soon we will be able to utilize those. Because like in the Philippines, of course, we don't have PET imaging and we don't have any ways to process CSF. We have no way to detect CSF amyloid or CSF tau. Even in those countries who had existing Amyloid or PET imaging and CSF tau, it would still be very costly and invasive. So, we're hoping that uh, blood biomarkers would solve the problem.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Now, for how about for non-pharmacological interventions? As you look out ten years, what do you hope is
1: available for non-pharmacological? Uh, right now, if you looked at dementia research, a lot would be along the field of um, computer-based technologies. So we're seeing a lot of research on computer-based technologies in terms of whether it can predict dementia, whether it can uh, improve cognitive function. It goes both ways, diagnostic and therapeutics as well. We call it digital biomarkers. And then for non-pharmacologic computer-based cognitive rehabilitation. So those are the two things that are very common in research. So yeah.
0: Well, we're um, we're starting to do some work with the uh, digital health innovation Scotland around digital biomarkers, but in a different way of uh, of uh, taking gameplay over six months and all of the different data points, overlaying it with personal health data, permissioned, of course, mm-hmm. and seeing if we're using AI machine learning to see if we can detect some changes or leading indicators of um, of of health outcomes in dementia patients. Um, can we predict falls? That's who knows, but maybe we can predict urinary tract infections that there are from gameplay that there seems to be a decline in this factor over three months. And that was followed by a decline in X factor over, um, over a couple of months. And that may show over large, um, populations that that is the, that a change happened.
1: I think that would be interesting.
0: I, I think so. We're, um, Scotland was was quite, quite excited about that. But Memory Lane Games is, is excited to, um, we'd like to do more and more in the Philippines. We'd like to do more clinical research there. And, uh, and just the support from ADAP has been incredible. Right across the board from your uh, psychiatrist, your speech and language therapist to the board. It's been,
1: it's, it's been fantastic. The forums with um, ADAP were actually inclusive. So we're not limited to clinicians. We involve um, psychologists, um, other healthcare professionals like nurses, um, caregivers, even relatives with patients with dementia. So we have architects in our midst, We have ID in our mids. So it's, a, um, it's good. So for those who are very much interested in working with dementia, we actually, uh, uh, they can also volunteer and offer their services.
0: So can you tell me some of your favorite games from from the Memory Lane Games app?
1: For me personally, because I want to learn new things, so I'm trying to stimulate my uh, brain as well. So I find it interesting if I find the new categories because most of the questions are um, catered towards elderly Filipinos, which I might might not be familiar with. Like, of course, I don't know the name of previous actors or actresses, and um some of um uh there are some cultures that i may not know or some terms that i may not know because i'm no longer using it or because of um, generation difference so in that way it helps me learn something new so it's i find it stimulating in that way
0: wow that's fantastic and and the families that use the memory lane games app what what do you find they say about the app
1: Commonly, what they, uh, so commonly, what the patients would, uh, for patients with moderate dementia, the family members would assist them in terms of using the app. So they find it interactive in a way because they would actually ask their parents, oh, so what is the answer? So, and then, uh, sometimes they would give them cues, but in that way, I think it's very interactive. So there's an interaction between the, the children and their parents. They find it fun as well.
0: So they talk more? Would would, would they say that?
1: Yes, they talk more because um, like the children are giving their parents clues. Like, oh, she's the star of this show, this show. Remember you watch this? Yeah. So it's a good conversation starter, actually. Wonderful.
0: Jim, would you like to share any other thoughts with, with our audience?
1: Yes, I think um so uh September is Alzheimer's disease month. So Alzheimer's disease awareness month and September 21 would be the uh World Alzheimer's Day. So um I think uh this is very timely to talk about dementia and Alzheimer's disease. So as mentioned, uh dementia is not part of normal aging. So um it's very important for it to be detected. So if you see some of your family members experiencing memory loss, um, a problem with speech, problem with orientation, or estimating distances, or even behavioral changes that affects their daily functioning, like affects how they do things at home, uh, then it would be very good if you can have them screened, brought, uh, bring them to a clinician so that they can be seen, properly examined, uh, so that we can prevent further deterioration of the disease. Especially now that there would be restrictions or because of the social isolation, we see more cases. So um, what would really help is for family members to be aware, because if they're not aware, lack of awareness would lead to uh, them not being uh, brought to physicians and at the same time de- late detection. So at that, uh, um, it might be difficult to actually help them if it's too late in the disease. So as much as possible, the goals of therapy in dementia is preserving their current level of functioning and see if pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic interventions like cognitive exercises, physical exercises, could help improve their uh, cognition and social behavior as well. And of course, functioning. So. As much as possible, we would want to assist them with regards. We want them to be a, an independent, and at the same time, assist them when needed.
0: That is a wonderful message in World Alzheimer's Month, and uh, as you said, September twenty-first, World Alzheimer's Day. We will be uh, publishing a number of of different messages that are really it's important for families all over the world. So, uh, Dr. Jim, thank you for sharing um, your vision for dementia care with us. Thank you for sharing your vision about uh, telemedicine and, and I think how non-pharmacological options are being used like memory lane games in your telemedicine clinical visits. I think that's uh, mm-hmm. just a wonderful step that wouldn't have happened before COVID. That This is one of the small benefits, I think, of, of you know, a strange way of COVID is that we are, as you said, accelerating some of the non-pharmacological uh, options.
1: Yeah, we're trying to discover new things in order to help patients, uh, to address patients' needs.
0: Wonderful. Well, Dr. Jim, thank you again. Um, The support that Alzheimer's Disease Association um, of the Philippines has been uh, uh, working with Memory Lane Games has been an incredible partnership. And we're looking forward to doing more and more with you. Thank you very much. And, uh, thank you to our audience. Um, we will, uh, put some contact details in the podcast notes for, uh, the Alzheimer's disease association of the Philippines who have a fantastic uh, Facebook uh, presence and, um, and we'll be talking again soon. Hi everyone. Thanks for listening to the dementia podcast. If you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow us across social media to keep up with the latest in dementia care.